Hello everyone, uh, before we get this show on the road, I wanted to make a very brief announcement here. Next weekend, uh, on the 17th, Sunday, May 17th, at 5pm Central Standard Time, we are going to be hosting a live show on Zoom, and we would love for you to join us. We will be dropping a link uh, on our Twitter account and in the mega thread so that you will be able to easily access it. It will be me, Chris... Ryan and an assortment of guests that we will try to be rotating in and out during the hour, hour and a half, however long this thing ends up being. We think that it will be a lot of fun. We hope that you can join us. Now, let's get on with the show. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. Welcome to the SSEU podcast on this glorious Saturday morning. I just Friday woke night. up. I just rolled out of bed. You're there drinking were, it old-fashioned. Uh, we are a weekly podcast uh, discussing pop culture, music, sports, and in particular sports. And I would like Matt Roberts, our guest of this week, to tell me why Kobe Bryant is the greatest basketball player of all time. How many words do I have? I don't know, 50. Great. How about, uh, how about two? He's not. Oh. <laughs> no, he, he's not. Sorry, he's, did, I, did I spoil he's, a segment he's, there? He's number, I mean... He's close. He's number two, close with LeBron. We can have a we can have a really good discussion about whether or not he's in the top ten. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, anyway, that's we'll, insulting. Uh, before we get to that, Chris, how are you, Thomas? I've had a rough couple weeks. First, I fall down the. You're step out of lube, and like, I break what? my ribs, bruise my ribs. Sorry. And then last night, I'm shoving a love seat through a doorway, and I don't give it quite enough of a shove and it comes back and I gash my finger open and I have to go to the ER to get stitches. Do you know what the worst part of it is? They didn't give me any Vicodin. Huh. How did you ask? Well, I, like, you know, last time I was pretty prepared. I I knew my dose and my brand and I also knew the generic as well. That may have hurt my cause. Point being, yada, 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 I'm in a bad mood tonight, okay? Right before we started recording, I ripped the stitch and I had to unwrap it. It was terrible, but I'm here. I'm soldiering through. And I forgot to even say that like the worst part is I was ready to record with JVL on the JVL show and he canceled to push it back to Sunday night. So it's been a rough week, Thomas. So let's just move on to the show. Okay. So uh, this week uh, we are welcoming Matt Roberts onto the show who I tried to get on last week because Matt, I understand that you are a huge fan of the Zack Snyder Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah, uh, anytime I want to watch gay pornography, that's one of the top like three that I put on. Oh, the top three. What are the other two? Wonder Woman and Three Hundred. Right. Really, just Zack Snyder's whole oeuvre. Plus, I guess so, Patty Jenkins' whole oeuvre. That one episode of Arrested Development. It's really hot. So, are you a fan of the Superman statue? Uh, no, it's all crap. It's all terrible. Everything Zack Snyder has ever made is bad. Uh, no part of it is good. Shit. Stay what tuned for forthcoming opinions on Kobe Bryant that will be just mean, as incendiary yeah. as those. Also, actually, they'll probably be much more conciliatory. Kobe Bryant's a great direct, a great, great player. He's also Kobe Bryant. Better. Kobe Bryant's a great director too. Well, he's got you know, <laughs> got an Oscar. What's Zack Snyder? That's have, true. Right? That's Some true. shitty Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> ratings. Kobe Bryant has an Oscar. Yeah, yeah he did a animated. Uh, it was like a sh- a short. I think it yeah, was. Yeah, it's an a- animated short film about basketball that was like Kids actually legitimately thing, I think, good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I- I'm sorry, Ryan. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I've been drinking from, since uh, four. And I only have two kids, so it's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. One thing that I wanted to talk about, I don't remember where this discussion happened, if it was on Twitter, or maybe it was just in mine and Ryan and Chris's text thread, or it might just have been in my head. But somewhere <clears throat> I talked about the mummy. 
Oh, the mummy. I thought you said the money. I, I thought like, you said the money. I was like, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> like, the mummy. Oh, listen, yeah. I want to talk about the like, can we first talk oh, about the money? Oh, it was uh, Ben Dreyfus and Sonny were talking because someone tweeted that Leo is the last Hollywood star that's like, that can just like open and people will see it because she said basically like, uh, The Revenant was like a gritty, dirty movie, you know, and you know, it was dirty. And it made like $558 million or something like that. So she's saying, you know, Leo, if Leo's in it, people will see it. And Sonny, or no, Ben Dreyfus replied, uh, Tom Cruise. And Sonny didn't agree with Tom Cruise because he thinks out of, he said basically out of the, outside of the MI franchise, Tom Cruise uh, movies don't make money. That's which, incorrect. Which... Ben Dreyfus pointed out the mummy, which is terrible, still made $400 million. And Sonny said, well, it still lost a bunch of money, but that's not, well, that's not what we're talking about. We're just, we don't care how much the studio spent on making it. It's just, did a whole bunch of people go see it? Yes. They, did they, uh, did they go uh, see it because Tom Cruise was in it? Probably yeah, a lot of I don't, I'd probably most any other actor is in that. And it probably doesn't even break a hundred million dollars. I don't know. I struggle with this last uh, movie star, whatever argument, because here's the thing is Leo isn't in that many movies. So he, you know, he could be very selective about the, the directors um, that he selects. Like it's easy to bet on Martin Scorsese or uh, I, uh, Alejandro Iñárritu. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. No, it's, it's easy to bet on kind of these uh, classic directors and, and do well. Um, but I mean, we could look back at Jay, his 2011 movie, Jay Edgar, and that only brought in $85 million. So it's not like anything he throws up there does well. Yeah, sure. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie you know, with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, um, directed by Quentin Tarantino, did well. Um, Tarantino's been a pretty hot commodity lately. What's, what's the last movie Leo was in that did poorly at the box office? It's Jay Edgar. Jay, Jay Edgar. Edgar. Which was 2011, but that was only, what, five movies ago. Yeah. So, like, yeah. 2010, he came out with Shutter Island, so that's Martin Scorsese. And then Inception, Christopher Nolan. So, like, he's only in huge films. It's not like he's putting his name on, you know, these small little interesting things. and, and or, or even, like, Tom Cruise just making tons of films. But, I mean, like, I don't know. If you, if you look at their, if you look at their, their, their box office... I mean, American Made did more than J. Edgar. Um, the Mummy did more than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> which looking, is something like, to say, looking, you know. Just, yeah, I mean, because that's and that, you know, and that was, so looking, that's no one says it's good stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's probably a little different if you look at domestic, but that's. I mean, the, the two guys kind of make different movies. Edge of Tomorrow made the same amount of money as. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, and that's a that's a video game, movie. which is garbage. So it is not garbage. That's a garbage. good movie. It's not great. You s- shut yes, up, it Thomas. Is. Why are you saying this? It has it's, more Tom Cruise per minute than any other movie ever taste. made. Uh, Dave talked about this on the Sub Beacon too, like how movie stars don't open movies anymore or something like that. I mean, they still do, sort of. Like there are a lot of movies out there that only get made because there's a big name like Denzel Washington attached to them, or otherwise they would never appear on screen. Oblivion made the same amount of money as The Departed. Yeah, I like think one of those is, movies uh, is good. I think this is more commentary on uh, Americans' taste in movies and even international people's taste in movies yeah. and what they'll go see. Well, international people well, love Tom more, Cruise. Well, they I mean, love Tom Cruise. I think it's more, yeah, it's commentary on what the international audience is super on. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't I, think you can pick a pretty, I don't think you can pick a clear winner between Tom Cruise and, and Leo DiCaprio based on box office, even if you only look at the non-Mission Impossible movies. And if you do look at the Mission Impossible movies, the only movie that Leo has had this decade, I mean, from since 2010, that's as big as Tom Cruise's, is Inception. Well, I mean, if you look at, if you look at Sweden, for example, if, if either of those guys are attached to a movie and it starts to play in theaters, like either DiCaprio or Tom Cruise, people might go see it because they know who those guys are. Like, I'm, I'm not sure there's much of a difference between the two, but people will go see it. But I think other than like, other than the good Mission Impossible movies, I don't think you can make any sort of an argument that Tom Cruise's movies are better than Leo's. 
Leo makes good movies, and Tom Cruise makes a lot of like action. Makes shot a l- for, for <laughs> yeah. You could you could just you could just stop there. You could say um, Leonardo DiCaprio makes good movies. Tom Cruise makes a lot of movies, and they both make money. Uh, so well, be- before we move on, so this segment started with talking about um, Ben Dreyfus. I think we've mentioned it on this podcast before, but it's worth saying that my favorite anecdote about Ben Dreyfus is when he told his dad. He said, <laughs> when he told his dad Richard Dreyfus, he said. Just like, don't, don't, just like, just tweet this. Just like, listen to me, tweet this, it'll be funny, I promise. And what it was is, um, 2013, he said, Dad, you know, like, type this. You read for a part, you feel good about it, you feel confident, and then they cast that Ben Affleck. And that's hilarious. Moving on, uh, I I have some personal news. I think that I'm... Jamaica Cougar? No. Uh, I have been chucking a lot of wood, though. But I think I might have turned into a Karen. Uh, you turned into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on uh, on on select social media, I I've been I've been scolding Swedish celebrities for going out and partying. Uh, I'm not the only one who's done it, so I'm in the good company of many Karens. But that's something I never thought I would do. You're not a Karen, Thomas. You what is? Into a reply guy. Listening to uh, the Secret Podcast and. Let, can, we, can we just acknowledge that, that, that um, this coronavirus is uh, a weapon from the Chinese, a bioweapon? Question. Yes. Question. Bioweapons. Should we declare war on China or is it already too late? What do you mean too late? Yeah, I mean, it's never too late. The okay. Dale Brown books I read as a kid told me anything. It's that we need <laughs> one single highly modified B-52 bomber. So just one, one plane will right. get... Right, okay. one single highly modified B-52 bomber will undertake to defeat China. covert mission that will lead to a massive popular uprising by the Chinese people. Uh, and then Winnie the Pooh will be, I don't know, sent off to the 100-acre woods. I think we got to do D-Day 2 at Normandy again. <laughs> Take the long way around to China? <laughs> it's the only way to be sure, right? <laughs> Take the long way around to China via, Wait, via France? I thought everyone just fights their wars at Normandy. Doesn't everyone meet there and say, all right, let's meet for war? It's like Rucker Park, but for war. Ryan, we also received a complaint uh, about last week's episode where uh, I believe it was Kevin Peterson uh, said that you never specified that it had to be a euphemism. You just said that it had to be a word that the youth use and you don't know what it means. No, I actually did specify several times. I believe the actual tweet was... The system isn't magic. You have to tell us what the word is and what you think it means. But, you know, maybe he didn't see every tweet. So that's okay. And I, I, we never we never talked about it in, in any other context than using the word euphemism. Ryan has a really great, I'm just disappointed in you voice or tone <laughs> that you just used. It was terrific. Uh, since everyone's doing social distancing these days, in, in the Swedish city of Malmö in southern Sweden, which is uh, across the strait from Copenhagen, there are a lot of immigrants. And a lot of them... Oh, boy. And a lot of them... <laughs> prepare <buckle> ourselves. <laughs> No, no, no. See, the Swedish government is actually, we're considerate. We, we think of everyone and we want everyone to be aware of what Corona. I'm not concerned about the government. I'm concerned about what you're going to say. Everybody so, prepare their finest grimace. So the government in Malmö, the city government and the regional health agencies decided that we need to get across this idea of how far you are supposed to be apart. So in Northern Sweden, we did you have to be at least a small moose apart from everyone else. <laughs> no, true. Like, really. And people started to make signs after that. It was great. Someone, said, someone said, a moose length. And then somebody said, else said, oh, that's ridiculous. A moose length. All right, a small moose. Yes. Okay. But it's, it's, because it's Sweden, they were like, oh, a small moose. Yeah, no, exactly. We know exactly yeah. how big that is. Well, in northern yeah. Sweden, in southern Sweden, they measure it. They said it's about seven fastbenders. <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up, Chris, because what the city of Malmö did is that they said that you should imagine the distance between you and everyone else. And they put this, they put this on posters and things that they like posted on social media and whatnot and said seven big falafel rolls. <laughs> I don't know how big a big falafel <laughs> roll is, but that's what they went with. 
Well, it's apparently just very slightly larger than the standard Fassbender. <laughs> we know that you stupid immigrants don't understand numbers. So let's talk about something that you do understand, food. Well, in, in Oklahoma, Thomas, is it true that they, they say one pool noodle length away? <laughs> in Florida, it was an alligator. I think it was like a small to medium-sized alligator. I thought in Florida, it was 17 uh, ankle bracelets for when you're on parole. <laughs> Only in Miami. Other things that have come up during the quarantine is that the Chinese might have a problem with other ethnicities. So did everyone here see the Chinese detergent ad? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in the Chinese detergent ad, this, this, this one woman is doing her laundry and then a man enters the room. She shoves the man into the washing machine and then gets him up from there and kisses him. And I don't understand what people were so upset about because she was, I had no problem with her whatsoever. Thomas, did you happen to divert your eyes from her? Like, did you happen to get a look at the guy that she put in the washing machine and then the guy that came out of the washing machine? Did you happen to get a good look at them? It was the same guy, wasn't it? Uh, I I want to see Matt watch this. All right. This is really good content. So while Matt's watching it, uh, it's I just enjoyable say, to me. So this is this is why we will never have a black James Bond. Oh, that's completely true. It, that's actually yeah. I'm just waiting for Matt's reactions here. Ryan takes a big sip in anticipation of spitting it out. So, I guess I guess my question is why she didn't put him in for a second load. <laughs> How do you think he would come out the second time, Matt? Well, probably not Chinese. <laughs> I mean, I'm just living in the world of the commercial as it is presented to us, right? This is why we're not going to have a Chinese James Bond either. Right, he should have been a, a white guy with a square jaw. Right, exactly, exactly. In his upper oh. 40s. Adam? With a really expect no, upper 40s. Are we going to describe for the listener what happens? Thomas can't tell the difference between the fact that she puts <laughs> a black guy in the washer and a... So, Chinese yeah, it's a, it's a Chinese... Girl, she's probably in whatever. She's good looking. Uh, she um, she's doing her laundry in the laundromat. A black guy comes in and he's. Is it the laundromat? And, I thought it was her home. I think it's her home. Okay, so they're saying that black people just will walk into your home while you're doing laundry too. It's worse than. And, and if they do, no, you shove I them in the washer. The, I think. I think. Okay, so. I guess I have to watch so, it again. So it's but like so it's her, it's I think it's her home and it's it's a nice home. Holy lord! Like it has it is it is a home because there's large. no other there's no right. other washers and there's maybe Chinese all kinds of cabin, cabinetry. Right, and it, there's, there's a ton of space and nice cabinetry. Yeah, this and is she's like, clearly like an attractive. She's room. had some work done. Right, so they're clearly super well to do. And so her husband. So whatever like, it is that she, her husband or boyfriend or whatever it is that he does, maybe he, maybe he owns Levin. I don't know, but whatever it is that he does. When he goes home, home from work, like when he goes off to work, <laughs> it apparently turns into she a puts Chinese people man in her black man without any detergent. And, and then or she anything, puts him in the clothes washer tell. after the dishwasher. Was was there detergent in there? Dishwasher. <laughs> well, it is a detergent commercial, so I'm assuming. But right, but like, did she detergent. actually put the detergent in there? Because if I she think, didn't, then the actual message of the commercial isn't, oh my gosh, this detergent so amazing. It can clean anything, even innate factors like skin color. <laughs> the message of the commercial is just like black people are really gross. Yeah, physically. We're a detergent company and we paid money to tell you this. <laughs> now you know we're trustworthy. You should buy our detergent. I bet their sales went through the roof after this commercial. In China. They're basically like Alex Jones, right? They're the Alex Jones of Chinese dishwashing, I mean, Chinese most, detergent commercials. Many, a lot of countries outside of the United States are very, very yeah. nationalist. So oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. This probably, I'm, I'm this talking, probably played about well using, in China. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm talking about using the racism to sell a totally unrelated mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's like, Alex Jones saying, hey, guys, we're at war with China. They right. released a bioweapon and people cheering. at us and by our cheering. lobster pills. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you guys remember the political, the political ad from uh, Switzerland 
I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe 10, something like that. One of their political parties released an ad about the issue of immigration. And it was seven white sheep kicking a black sheep out of the country. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we can do That's more, terrific. we can do more live reactions on the podcast. How would that go? How would that go over in Sweden, Thomas? <laughs> what are you insinuating here? Would that person be king of Sweden? You ran that ad? <laughs> No, 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 no. The Sweden Democrats only have like 20% support. <laughs> They're the ultra-nationalist party? Yes. One of their high-profile party members this past week had a piece published in the Washington Examiner, which is good, <laughs> good going, Seth. That's the kind of people you want publishing in your outlet. But it was just for the website. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah, not definitely not for the news. It wasn't the magazine. Matt, uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, since I feel like this should be a question that we ask every single guest that we have on the podcast. Uh, Matt, did you watch Tiger King? And if so, how did you feel about it? So I did not watch Tiger King. I do not have Netflix. However, I, that has not stopped me from having strong opinions about Tiger King. <laughs> I have Amazon Prime. Yeah, so, I, I, I've I not mean, had... Carol Baskin definitely murdered her husband, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. No reasonable person disputes. Yeah, and she basically did the OJ thing of saying like, "If I did it, here's how." Right. Yeah. But I definitely didn't do it, guys. Definitely. Yeah. That's ridiculous that I TNA evidence. Yeah, Statute of a... limitations is passed now. Suck it, why, boys. Why are you? Why are you guys being weird about the fact that I know that if you cover someone in sardine juice, <laughs> that tigers will eat their whole body? Why are you guys being weird about that? And that, is the stomach the is, and that the stomach is so acidic that it will destroy any DNA trace evidence of him. And that there's just, he would be gone forever and no one could ever, no one would know. And is also, she wait, the American version of Brick Top? out my husband. I gave him a nice burial. <laughs> She's definitely the American version of Brick Top, right? Given the speech about like how many pigs it takes to eat a human body in five minutes. Yeah, basically. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. Sorry, I haven't watched Tiger King. Wait, wait, guys, guys, question. My wife worked tonight, and uh, so I, uh, I watched Thor Ragnarok with my kids. You decided to drink all day. Top five Marvel movie, go ahead. Keep bringing that up, Ryan. I, so we watched Thor Ragnarok. I caught that Dr. Strange mentioned that he was a, what, what is he, a doctor of mystic arts? Isn't that what Doc Antle claimed to have? Master of the Mystic Arts, please. A master of the Mystic he's Arts. A, he's a doctor of some sort of surgery. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay, so, but but wasn't Doc Antle a doctor of Mystic Arts? We, we need he, someone to fact check this. I uh, I can't. I guess he's, a, yeah, he's a doctor. Was that what it was? Was it Mystic Arts? I can't remember anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bing it. Just hang on one yeah. second. Don't, don't, don't say anything. Just let me bing it. Silence. Yeah, it's Mystic Arts. <laughs> and Matt, can you confirm for us that Doctor Strange is a master of Mystic Arts? Is that true? I can confirm. I can confirm that, yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> do, do, do we have more things to say about no, this? That's, no, that's all. That's all. I just, I'm just... Just that Doc Antle, when he saw Doctor Strange, he was like, holy shit, they made a movie about me. Oh my gosh, I bet this guy has a creepy sex call. <laughs> he, he's like, he's a, he has a master. I'm going to be a doctor of mystic arts. Where does Stephen the sex Strange call wishes. come in? Yeah, yeah. Do you think I, Stephen Strange has ever had sex on a tiger? Yes. On or with? Either with and or both. <laughs> with and on. Under? Has he had sex with a tiger on top of a, a second tiger? Stephen Strange <laughs> has a harem, and that harem includes two tigers. Oh, because he has it? definitely had sex both on top of and inside a Jaguar. <laughs> so, so do we think that it wasn't the car crash that made him unable to like actually operate? It was masturbating too much? <laughs> no, are you kidding me? And that gave him carpal tunnel or something? Dude, that, it, that, that guy's whole backstory is like he can just like walk into a room and snap his finger and be like, laugh at my stupid joke. And everybody in the room goes, ho, 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 ho. No, he was definitely banging every person who with, worked with or even near him. That guy hasn't masturbated since he got out of medical school. I, w I want to transition us into to one of our two main segments, which is that HBO recently premiered uh, a new miniseries uh, focused on the, the, the 97, 98 Chicago Bulls. 
HBO. Netflix? Who did this? ESPN. Together with Netflix? Sure. Something. We don't anyway. care about accuracy here. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not the point. The point is that the miniseries uh, reveal that Michael Jordan quit playing because he was gambling too much. That's fact. Not in 97, 98. That's not what happened at all. <laughs> That's before he came back and won three more championships. The, this Jordan, is not- the, 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 the idea that Jordan was forced to leave the game because of gambling or whatever, the NBA didn't give a shit what he did. Why would the, why would the NBA make him an owner of a team if they thought that he had a gambling problem? David you mean Stern, minority owner? David Stern, no. He's a majority owner of the Bobcats. Charlotte Hornets, yeah. Do you, do you mean the Hornets? What they were the Bobcats. They were the Bobcats when he bought in. When he bought do, it. Do you, do you know David Stern? Are, went you know what the Bobcats great... were named after? Bobcats. They were named Bob... after the owner's first name. His name was Bob. Bobcat Golfway. Anyway, uh, David Stern went to great lengths to make sure that many fast benders. Michael Jordan was a owner of an NBA team. Why would he do that if he like? Thought that he had a gambling because he didn't. He didn't stop after he came back. He still had like all these stories of him losing and winning hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of money uh, gambling. The idea that that the NBA forced him out of the game is not credible. What are you typing, Thomas? Stop. Uh-oh. I'm looking up who Michael Jordan is. <laughs> That's fair. They didn't get television in Sweden until like, he's an NBA owner. It's a trash sport. I really couldn't care less. I stopped listening to the sub beacon when they started to talk about this, but it sounded like Ryan had thoughts. Yeah. Do, do you like? Oh, I think Ryan. This? I mean, I think Ryan's thoughts are mostly right here. I mean, I don't. I definitely don't think David Stern forced Michael Jordan out of the sport when he retired the first time. I mean, that's, uh, he, that's silly. He, There's no evidence. So showing that the Roland, the Roland Lazenby book, Michael Jordan, comma the life it's pretty harsh on james jordan and michael yeah i still he, need to read it i haven't gotten around he to basically it. says there's nothing to the rumors that david stern forced him out or yeah, anything I, it's not it's nothing other than because even before his dad died he was getting fed up with the media and just the Bulls ownership in Jerry Krause and yeah, the public and the publication of the Jordan rules, I think had something right. To do yeah. With that Sam too. Smith's Jordan rules came out uh, before he retired. And yeah, it and was, if you the, haven't had a chance. Sam Smith was on the full 48 uh, with Howard Beck from Bleacher Report uh, about a week ago. And that episode is really, really good. But on the other hand, I mean, the context here is that like two years before Jordan retired, uh, Pete Rose had been banned for life by Major League Baseball. And everybody in the world knew that Jordan had a gambling problem. And the NBA had made gambling-related things a huge priority. Uh, In his first autobiography, Outrageous, Charles Barkley talks about how he and, I want to say Mark Jackson, who at some point had been like roommates or something, uh, were, were joking around during a game Maybe it wasn't Mark Jackson. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think they were teammates, were they? No, they no 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 no. They weren't teammates. They were on they were on different teams. They had like be, they, whoever whoever he was okay. talking about uh, had like been roommates with him at some point, and they were on different teams, and um, they were joking around in the middle of a game, like fake betting basically on whether players were going to miss free throws or make free throws or, or whatever. And uh, after the game, they both got fined like $25,000 because the referee heard one of, you know, heard Charles Barkley say, I'll bet you $10,000 you're going to miss that free throw. It was, it was a huge point of emphasis. Do I think David Stern forced Michael Jordan out of, out of the NBA? Absolutely not. That would be ridiculous. The NBA was at its highest ever point. It was only going up. Michael Jordan was the most valuable person <coughs> in the world at that point. You know, and, in terms of athletics or entertainment, Michael Jordan was freaking gold. And so but when, so when you know, I think David Stern, when when he found out that Michael Jordan was retiring, stepping away from basketball, I think he probably was like, okay, whew, I'm not going to have a Pete Rose situation on my hands. When uh, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause announced before the season, which is the strangest thing I've ever heard of, of a. NBA coach who won an NBA championship in the preseason 
uh, the previous season, Jerry Krause says, oh, we're bringing Phil on for one more season. And even if he goes 82-0 and and wins the championship, that's it. We're done. This is his last season. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. There was no way the Bulls were going to bring up bring back Phil. There and, was no way they were going to bring back anybody. It was it right. was it, it was a Jordan, fait accompli at that point. Because Jordan had said, I'm not gonna play for any coach for the Bulls except for Phil Jackson. Right. And Pippen was never gonna play for the Bulls again either. And Pippen was incredibly underpaid. There was um, a so there was discussion. Yeah, Pippen was absolutely underpaid. But so so Phil Jackson was gone. The Bulls wanted to bring Jordan back, but Pippen was going to go, and Phil was going to go, and basically, according to according to Sam Smith in his inter, in his thing with with Howard Beck, Jordan was basically just fed up with dealing with Dennis Rodman. He didn't want to rebuild, and he didn't want to be around Dennis anymore. And so, if Phil wasn't going to if Phil wasn't going to be there, and Pippen wasn't going to be there, and there wasn't any chance that they were going to win, he was done. I don't know. Uh, I mean, according yeah, Jerry, to Jerry Roland, Krause according to Roland Lazenby's book, Jordan initially was not great with bringing Rodman on, but once Rodman came on, if Jordan told him to do something, he would he would do it. Yeah, and I think and and I think Jordan just got kind of tired of having to be the Rodman police in addition to all the other stuff he had to do. Because at that well, point, by ninety seven, by ninety seven, like, Rodman was kind of his like Jordan Jordan's dad had been talking to him for the last two years about going to play baseball or trying yeah. to play both sports because yeah. uh, Jordan's dad loved baseball. And he said, and he would tell him things like, well, you don't have anything else to prove basketball. Even, even other people outside of James Jordan, uh, Michael's dad tell that he was losing the love for basketball and that he needed another challenge. Yeah. And so James Jordan told him, like, oh, well, you should try to play baseball because you've done every, you've proved everything you have to in basketball. So try to play baseball. And so then when his dad was murdered, it yeah, was I mean, kinda, that's what he did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, so we've established that Michael Jordan definitely stepped away from basketball because he was got in trouble with David Stern for gambling. <laughs> um, can we transition to the actual documentary? Ryan, have you watched it? Yeah, of course I have. I can't what wait are your for the thoughts second on it? to it. It's garbage. This the, <laughs> the documentary is is like a Jordan love letter. They okay, let so Jordan it, so it, they let Jordan clearly, the biography. If, if Jordan yeah, exactly. If Jordan was gonna be on it, he was gonna have editorial control. Because he oh, doesn't yeah. he is a control freak. He wants to be so if they, he was gonna be on camera then they weren't going to post anything bad about him. It, it, I've read the book that the documentary is based on. Is it the Halberstam book? Yes, Halberstam. Play, playing for Keeps? David, David Halberstam, Playing for Keeps. That's what the documentary yeah. is based on. And that's basically, like, David Halberstam was really nice to Jordan. He didn't, he didn't put anything in that book that was, that was over the line as far as Jordan was it's concerned. A, it's, a, it's a great book. It has a lot of interesting insight, especially yeah. into the business side of Jordan. No, it, it really does. But you can definitely tell that David it, Falk and Team Jordan have uh, some degree of editorial control. There. Yes. That book um, wouldn't have gotten made without uh, Jordan being part of it. Yeah. And the documentary wouldn't have gotten made without Jordan being part of it. So, so do you think the documentary is just too nice to him? Yes, absolutely. Jordan was, uh, I mean, I'll tell you what it they, is. It's they great played, quarantine content. But they, it is great quarantine. If it was, content. if I don't know that it would do and, anything. If it and, came and, out now, and right? I or love like, Michael. And I, I love and I hate Michael Jordan. I have a uh, previous to, I don't know, three or five years ago, I would have thought that the way that Michael Jordan viewed sports was the correct way to view sports. That changed for me when I saw uh, this. Um, this show about Tiger, Tiger Woods, um, Tiger where King. I, I, and I have a love hate relationship with all sports because like the way that Michael and Tiger and Andre Agassi go about being great, it does work for the sport. It destroys any life that they could have outside of sports because they cut everyone off. They have that singular focus on their sport and that's it. Um, yeah, and Rod, so, Roger Federer 
is kind of an outlier in that. Oh, there, there's always a comparison that gets made between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. And I don't think that's a good or fair comparison to either person. The comparison no. between LeBron James and, and, the, and an, an older player is to Magic Johnson. Those are the two players that I can think of who have the most consciously thought and then acted on I am the idea of like, I am going to make myself into a corporate empire unto myself. And both of them have been wildly successful at it. Well, and that will and that, continue like, to be wildly successful at that, it. That like, and people criticize LeBron because he's not like Jordan. And Jordan had a basically "I will cut your throat out" mentality, and LeBron just doesn't have that. LeBron is probably the most talented, the most gifted athletically player to play in the NBA ever. LeBron is the best basketball player who has ever played the game. But he's he not does the greatest, but he is the best. Yes, absolutely. But he doesn't have that hatred and that rage toward losing that Michael had. And even Kobe, even Kobe had a greater rage toward losing than LeBron. LeBron wants to be liked by his teammates. Um uh yeah. Jordan and Kobe Especially Jordan. So Jordan. So Kobe is the best mix of ability and hatred of losing that we've had since Michael. But he is still deficient in both of the, in both ability right. and hatred of losing to Michael. Sure. Michael. Michael was a sociopath. He was oh, yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. so, absolute. sociopath. Absolutely. Um, he 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 hated in, because and also he was an incredibly media savvy sociopath. One oh, of sure. the stories that Sam Smith tells in in so in his stuff is about Jordan's knowledge of where things were on the court. He knew exactly where every single camera was and yep. how far it would pick up his voice. And so if, when he wasn't in a place where the camera would hear him, he was absolutely savage and absolutely brutal to everybody. And as soon as he was near a camera, he was all like, Hey guys, yeah. I'm Gatorade Mike again. So if 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 Tiger Woods had Michael's savvy and uh, personality, no, let's the, just say what this, it is. If Tiger Woods wasn't a sex addict, no, Jordan was a sex addict. <laughs> Jordan, if Jordan, if Jordan wasn't as much of a sex addict as Tiger, is only marginally less that he was a sex addict. But that story didn't come out because Jordan knew how to play the media because the media loved him. Tiger never felt comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. He was never good with the media until afterwards. He's become better with the media, but well, because, when, because he's, because he's, he was, because he died, right? He had a sporting you, death. And once you, once you've had those, like you're right. Yeah, you're, you're, your you're second act is always, no, I mean, I think, I think that Tiger really has made an effort to like, just devote himself to his kids. I hope that's a change he's made. But Jordan cheated as his, on his wife nearly as much as Tiger did. The reason that that story was never written, one, we didn't have 24-7 media at the time. That's Two, part of it. the media loved Jordan because Jordan knew how to play the media. He knew how to switch it on and just be like this congenial guy that everybody liked, and the media wanted to like Michael. They wanted to be friends with Michael. Jordan also didn't have a crash, like literally a crash like yeah. Tiger Woods had. That's but part he, of it. I, I, but even and the other had, thing is that when Jordan, Jordan never had a thing that you could like point to and go, oh my gosh, it was because of this. Before the 1992 gold medal game, Jordan spent the entire night gambling and drinking. Mm -hmm. And then he spent the entire day playing golf and then he came into the locker room 45 minutes before tip-off, took like a 10-minute nap, and then was the best player in the world in the gold medal game that the United States did not even give a shit about and won by like 45 points. Yeah. So, I mean, you can get away with anything as long as you're still the best. Or and, that you're still in the early 90s. Well, yeah, that's true. As you said earlier, right? Jordan was still out drinking, not drinking, but like Jordan was still out on all night gambling benders. Tiger was well Tiger was not a confident person. Yeah, he absolutely. He, he never felt comfortable with himself, and that's why he was never good in front of the media. Because it, like he he was a dick to the media. I was of course, so I was too young. Was for, well, for and, and part of this part of this is a thing. Thomas and, and Haberman, maybe you can 
jump in here and, and assess this for me. I was a little young for this. Tiger Woods was never cool, right? No. Sure no, he was. He yeah. No. Michael yes, Jordan absolutely. was the coolest person no. in the world. Tiger was Tiger Woods, Woods ever even no. remotely cool? Nike okay, tried. Maybe, maybe he wasn't cool, but maybe he wasn't cool, but everyone liked him. Like there, there are half of the there are half of the golf fans that hated Tiger Woods. Like most yeah. of my family, oh, okay. everybody else in my family hated Tiger Woods because well, he was he was awkward. For Trump. <laughs> but exactly, so he because Tiger was awkward. Everybody Tiger loved blew up the sport. Like nobody cared okay, about but, golf. But I mean, like no, okay, it didn't but, matter. So but maybe I mean, they did... tuned in to root against him. But same thing for Michael. Like it's not no. like everybody Jordan, liked Michael. Michael, sure, Michael, Michael Jordan like was Michael. charismatic. A lot Tiger. of people didn't like Michael, but Michael Jordan was the coolest person on earth. Exactly. Tiger was never the coolest person on earth. From a long distance, the appeal of Tiger Woods for a lot of people, it seemed like he was the, the like middle-aged white golf fan's cool black friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, the biggest name in golf probably ever. Yeah, sir, I mean, certainly since Jack. He's the greatest golfer right? ever. He's, he's a better That's golfer than Jack. That's Annika Serenstam, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Because, uh, Jose I mean, Maria so Jack, like Jack was like a freak. Jack was a, a athlete. Jack could have played baseball. He was a shortstop at Ohio State. He played quarterback. He could have played any sport he wanted. Jack was a freak of an athlete. Athletes didn't play golf back when Jack. Sure. Played. Okay. Sure. But did he ever think to mix lemonade and iced tea? We could be uh, drinking Jack Nicholas's right now. <laughs> At uh, my buddy's wedding, we had John Daly's. What the they first were, friend they were good. is that this episode appears to be about sex addicts, which is what we've spent a lot of time talking yeah. about. That's why well, I'm on I the show. Find out my, problem, my problem is that Tiger is crucified for being a sex addict. With, with absolutely, he is. But a lot of sports stars that we love are also... In tigers, in ti- in the sure, same boat sure. as Tiger, but, but, but and what we happened? Don't, we don't treat them the same just because they're good with the media. And Tiger is awkward. Was awkward with the media. But and Tiger's so, life very famously fell apart. Like like his world came crashing well, down. If like Jordan, if Jordan was ten or fifteen years later, his life would have come falling but, apart. But, so yes and no, right? I think the closest analogy we have is the Kobe Bryant rape trial. And Kobe recovered pretty quickly. And I think a lot of it is the demographics of the fans of the sport. Golf is just so much more buttoned up. That well, could be but, but remember- I mean, I think that's part of it, right? No, but part of it also is the familial element. Tiger got in a car crash and we don't know the details behind that, but like there was a fight at home, blah, blah, blah. Like, and he left the home distressed. Uh, his wife found out about this stuff. Where, it was um, going to come Kobe, out before that because the, the Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant bought his wife a two million dollar diamond and everything was okay, right? Yeah, they, they reconciled and I also before. think that Kobe actually did change at the end of his career. I, he also I kept winning. I mean, but that, I mean, but that matters, right? I think that's the single yeah. biggest factor in how sports journalists cover their Where subjects. Tiger's Tiger's body fell apart and yeah. Like kind of right along, around the same time as his life fell apart. Like there's, so I, I do, probably, I do, there's a good chance that Tiger was take was taking HGH, and yeah. that was around the same time as like McGuire came out and Sammy Sosa <clears throat> and all those guys, and so yeah, there was the cheating and the HGH that got uh, Tiger in trouble. Plus the plus the military thing. His he, like, oh my gosh, he wanted his, to be like, a Navy. He he Navy was serious. Like he had a, he had bad knees, and he was out training with Navy SEALs. You, you know, four or five days a week, and just destroying his knees even more. Although it is interesting, just um, looking at uh, Jordan at the beginning of his career, how much muscle Jordan put that on. That was a deliberate decision, and that was the result of the Jordan rules, not the book, but the the defensive system designed by Chuck Daly. Yeah, uh, mm. he Where basically if Jordan comes in the lane. Yeah, you knock him down. Yeah, no, he he started putting on muscle against the advice of, of the people at Nike, actually, who thought he was going to stop being able to dunk. Or even Jerry Krause, the Bulls didn't want him yeah. 
uh, lifting weights and he started lifting yeah. weights. He picked his own the because the Bulls tried to give him a trainer and he he went out. He was like, I'm not I'm not fucking taking your advice. And he went out and got his own trainer. He was lifting even on game days. And like after he came back from baseball, he was lifting even more. The uh, yeah. And one of the things that the, the trainer made him do actually in sort of the tryout that like sold him on working with this particular trainer was that the trainer made him do those like thigh busters. He made he made him do those because he was like if you you're you're gonna tear your hamstrings at some point. Yeah. But yeah, he put on muscle just to avoid injury problems. That's the the craziest thing. Looking at the like mid nineties and the late nineties, how durable those guys were. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Jordan played a lot of games, but like, only but only after he started working with the new trainer. He had a lot of injury, little like niggling muscular injuries early in his career. But once he started bulking up, he was like never hurt again. Ever. One thing you guys mentioned uh, a while back, the differences between LeBron and Kobe and uh, MJ. And so, so the one thing I want to add is I remember just – it was just an observation I made. Um, I remember seeing a little bit of footage of an Olympic practice, and I think it was the first Olympics that Kobe and LeBron played together. And at practice, you know, Kobe's just like stone-faced, intense – all the time, everywhere. And LeBron was like a clown. Like he was making noise and laughing. And like Kobe kind of just looked over at him like, like who is this dude? Like, <laughs> like he, he, he just couldn't believe the approach um, that, that LeBron brought to the game that was, how dare you like, <laughs> he's a little bit amused. You, you know, Kobe, like he's the guy who, even when he's injured, comes to the bench and like tells like, you know, I don't know, Larry Nance Jr. Like get out of my seat. I'm going to sit there. You sit on the floor. I would, yeah, absolutely. I would say that, Kobe and Jordan, they were motivated by rage. <laughs> and LeBron just, he just isn't. He, I think LeBron tried to be for a while. He tried to be Jordan or Kobe. Um, he's just he, not wired Or, or he pretends to be. He's just, he's just not. And honestly, I think that LeBron probably, he's probably happier than Jordan is now. Yeah. I used to tell myself, and like I used to think different about sports. Obviously, I didn't play at high level, but I could not. I couldn't play sports without convincing myself or like getting myself up into a rage. And so I played angry ever since I was like 11 years old in Little League and pitching. When I was in Little League, I was angry at my own coaches and it worked because I did really well. Since then, I would just find something to be angry about. And I would like tell myself that, oh, it's just like, as soon as the game is over, it's fine. And that just goes away. But <laughs> that rage, you pay a consequence for that for that rage. Yeah, and where, where LeBron is, is just a happy guy, and he has other interests in life. When mm-hmm. basketball's over, I don't I mean, think he's, I don't think he, I mean, he's, I, he's not happy anymore, I don't think. But he, he's, a, he's got a very sort of clear-eyed focus. LeBron is LeBron is kind of robotic. I think he calculates better than almost any player in the NBA. And that's what leads him to making the best play rather than you see this a lot with the last shot, right? LeBron is famous right. for not taking the last shot because the best play at that moment mathematically is always to pass because he always has four guys on it. And he does that all the time. And Jordan or Kobe would never pass unless they had to. Right. And so you, what you end up with is this, this thing where, where Kobe has this reputation as a great clutch player, even though he's like kind of average, actually, yeah. because he took a lot of shots over three defenders and like 30% of the time they went in and that gets you a reputation as a great clutch player. Right. Even though the other like 70% of the time you went to overtime. Like, or, or if they're in championships, which, you know, he, he was in a lot of championships. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. And, and the, biggest, the biggest reason that LeBron James, I, I, the, the single biggest reason that LeBron James is not generally considered the greatest basketball player of all time is the series the Heat lost to the Dallas Mavericks. If they win that championship, that is a, he's in a totally different conversation. But that is the one series you can look at and say, yeah, LeBron really, really kind of choked. Dirk played, played out of like, his mind. Dirk played out of his mind. The Mavericks played great. The coaching was fantastic. Everybody on the Heat underperformed. And LeBron James, in particular, played like ass. Played like absolute ass. And, and probably, nobody's thinking that Dallas team is going down as a probably and and probably even though I don't agree with their strategy or the or their point of view, probably Jordan and Kobe, they do not play like ass. 
Probably not. No, they probably don't. I would like to tell a story that I think Ryan will appreciate. In the in the early 1980s, uh, in the rally championship, uh, one of the best drivers in the world uh, was German. His name was Walter Rohr. And he drove for the Italian team Lancia in their famous 037 car, which was rear-wheel drive and then got out-competed by the Audi Quattro. But th- that's neither here nor there. So in the early, early 80s, he ended up winning two drivers' championships in, in the World Rally Championship. But it is amazing that he managed to do so because one of his approaches to the sport was that if one of the races were in, like, Finland with dreary, shitty weather, he just wouldn't go. Uh, and in an interview for the Grand Tour, he talks about this and how he's essentially just like, yeah, no, I'll, I will drive like six, seven races a year. Like, I'm, I'm not going to Sweden or Finland because in Finland, the track was like too hoppy and the weather wasn't good enough. And he still managed to win two championships and he seemed like a really happy guy. He won the championship in three years. He won it twice. Like, he was a good driver. Uh, he, um, now, now he to win the championship, did you have to accumulate a lot of points? So, like, yes. these could have been really important like, races to help him win more? Yeah, like, in, I believe it's 1983, uh, Lancia could have won, and Walter could have won another uh, driver's championship, but they didn't participate in the last two races that year. So it's not I, like Tiger only playing in majors. I, Shut up, Chris. You don't know what you're talking about. So I completely agree with Thomas. I probably really would like this guy. When I started thinking about sports differently was when I, um, when ESPN did a special on the 1994 U.S. Amateur. It was Tiger's first U.S. Amateur tournament. He'd won like three junior amateur tournaments before that. And he was playing, he was 18. And he was matched against a 22-year-old from Oklahoma Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. I can't remember which because they're both the same. And it, his name was Trip Keeney. Trip uh, was the number one player in the world or for the, the number one amateur in the world. When it got out to a big lead against Tiger, he, it was match play and he was six up against Tiger at one point. Tiger at 18 came back from six holes down. And won, and won the match. Everybody looked at it as like really demoralizing for Trip Keeney. I think it was last year or the year before. Either the Golf Channel or ESPN did like a kind of special and looked back at that match and um, Tiger and Trip Keeney. And Trip Keeney now is like, he's just a golf pro somewhere at, at some golf course. He has a wife and kids. And they interviewed, they, they showed footage of him back at the time. And then they interviewed both Tiger and him at the same place present day. Trip Keeney seems like the happiest person in the world. He works at some expensive golf club somewhere in Texas. And he's got like three kids and a good marriage. And he's just, and like people expected him to be like after he was up six holes and then lost that lead to Tiger. It was like, oh, and he played professionally for a couple of years, but then he just ha- didn't have that drive. I could seriously, I like Tiger and him were like in the same shot at several points in this interview, either last year or the year before. And I could see Tiger looking at him and I could see how, how happy Trip was. And I could see in Tiger's face that like, oh, he actually won because he's happy and I'm not happy. Having this like singular focus has kind of destroyed my life. And a singular focus like Ashton Kutcher. I mean, exactly. except for the fact that he's named Trip. <laughs> yeah, that part's not great. His last name is spelled like K-U-E-H-N-E too. So in Jack McCallum's book about the 92 Olympics, he has this uh, comparison between Scotty Pippen and Magic Johnson who are basically the same size. They both possessed incredible ball handling and passing skills. One was a great offensive player. One was a great defensive player, but they're really not that dissimilar. And one of the distinctions that he draws between them in their mentality is their attitude towards money. Pippen really wanted to be rich and he spent himself into bankruptcy, buying expensive watches and expensive cars and all of the trappings of being rich. And magic, there was this moment when they were training in Monaco, they had an off day and they were going to go meet Mickey Arison, who owns the Miami Heat. 
and they were going to spend the day on his yacht, which was in Monaco Harbor. And the yacht had an engine problem and they couldn't get it out, out of the harbor. And so Arison says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just bring over the other one. And Magic Johnson is giving this interview and he goes, the man had a backup yacht. <laughs> and and that, was the t- that was when he realized the difference between being rich and being really rich. <laughs> and Magic at that point made his singular life goal, the pursuit of being really rich. And now Magic Johnson is basically a billionaire and Scottie Pippen is on TV because he's recovering from bankruptcy. Elsewhere in the sports world, I believe that there was just a draft of some sort. Do you guys have any thoughts on that whatsoever? Nope. I haven't watched the NFL in 10 years. I'm going to take this moment to take a quick break. I'll be right back. (laughs) Rose seriously asked me, like she was like trying to offer me an opportunity to watch the NFL draft. She was like, um, I can't even remember what she said. Like, if you do this, I'll let you watch the draft. And I was like, I, I don't want to watch the fucking draft. I don't give a shit. And she's like, oh, I thought did you care. I thought you would want to watch it. I know you don't usually watch it, but I thought you would want to. I was like, no, I have no desire to watch it. I am not quite that desperate for sports. That's foolish on your part. You should have kept Why that close. Who would watch the draft? Kept, keep that as, as, um, as they oh, say in, in uh, Dark Knight like, Rises, keep it close to the chest. I should have been like, oh, I really want, I really want no, to watch no, the draft, no. but no, it's fine. I, but, right, I exactly, exactly. And then every year when you don't watch it, like it's this huge sacrifice that, that just earns you all sorts of credit. Don't tell her that, that you don't care about it. That's, that's just foolish. You're just too honest. I'm naturally just... honest. I can't help it. <laughs> I will just say that uh, I, I try to watch the NHL draft every year, and I love it. I've never watched any draft of any sport. I'm also the kind of person who follow the draft list throughout the year and who's projected to go uh, where and things like that. I, I, at, at a time, I did too, but I didn't care about like For the NHL? The draft. I would just wait till the next day. Yes, the NHL. <laughs> so also in football-related news, uh, Chris, how do you think the Haspins are going to do in Tampa Bay? Oh boy, I I don't know about predicting. Um, Tom Brady's the goat, so I wouldn't be surprised. Gronk, he's got Gronk back. He's got Gronk. Um, he's got some great receivers to throw to. I can't wait to watch them play the Saints twice a year. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be exciting. I and I'm super excited that the Packers uh, decided to tra- to draft a quarterback. That's so great. Like they have so many needs, and instead they drafted a quarterback. Does that mean they're so, trading Rodgers? No, it means it's no. just going to irk Rodgers for the next know, five years. Yeah, they know Rodgers going to be bad in the next three to five years. I don't. I don't um, know about that. But like, I, it's going to be like that's a powder keg. That is not a good thing. Like. I think, the chances of, I think the chances of him being bad are pretty high just because anybody who gets hit at all at that age. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. He's been I'm just saying it didn't time. work well with Rodgers and Favre. It didn't end well. And, um, and everyone loved Favre. Like, he had this personality that everyone in Wisconsin loved him. Um, Rodgers isn't like, isn't it, isn't like so it's going to go even worse. So. Isn't, isn't that one of the things that we got from the last dance, though, is that, like, nothing ends well when you have a sustained run yeah. of excellence? I mean, yeah, I mean, t- Tom Brady, like, goes to play I, for the Buccaneers. I, and the, I don't understand turns how. Turns into Florida man in one week. How, like, people, how people give Jerry Krause credit. Jerry Krause was an egomaniac who couldn't stand that uh, people liked Phil Jackson. That's, that's he, a lot of it. He, Jerry Krause like, had no... Said, I found Phil Jackson. How could you not give me credit for finding Phil Jackson? So I'm going to fire him after winning, <laughs> you know, six yeah, championships Jerry, in seven years. Jerry had... Jerry Krause had no social skills, and no. Jerry Reinsdorf was an owner who was, I mean, he was and, best placed in the so, 1950s. And Jerry Reinsdorf believed that, like, when it came to contract negotiations with players, he thought the right thing for the team to do was he had to win the negotiation. That's all he cared about. And so he would do all these dirty tricks to win the negotiation with the player that he was trying to get to play on his team. Yeah, like maybe that works in stupid. different businesses, but not in professional sports when you're trying to get these guys to play for you. And that's why Horace Grant left because uh, Reinsdorf basically tried to trick him into yeah. signing a contract for less than he was worth. 
But you uh, got to give Kraus credit as a talent evaluator, though. Oh yeah, you really absolutely. do. I mean, he was he, he, he did was really find good. he did bring Phil Jackson in, and he did recognize that Phil Jackson was a great coach. He found um, Scotty Pippen. He found Scotty Pippen. Here's one thing where I really disagree with Sonny is where Sonny's just like you sign the contract, you got to honor it. Like that, not, that is not pro sports. That is. Right. A horrible way of, of looking at it. The um, team why, is doing. Why the team is they, doing everything they can to right. Uh, and, and why not, would fans so ever I actually, side with management? Why would we? Why would we ever side with management? It doesn't make sense. Well, it, so for for two reasons, right? The, fir- the first is that it really depends on the sport. Contracts in football are a totally different animal than contracts sure, in baseball sure, or yeah. the NBA, right? In the NBA, you sign the contract and you're going to get your money. It's almost always guaranteed, right? Yeah. Unless it's not. But in the NFL, like, it, your contract is good only as long as the team says it's good. Sure. Right? So in that case, I got no problem if the player wants to say, fuck you, I'm out. Uh, I don't have a problem with it in the NBA either, though. But NBA, even though it's guaranteed. I know, the I, know NBA, the NBA, I know it's guaranteed, but still... The, the players the have NBA, such a short window. Yeah, of oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, sure. That if but they want to, if they want to sit out, if they want to try to re- renegotiate, I don't sure. have a problem with it. I'm with I, them. So I'm I'm fine with the player agitating to make more money. I'm totally fine with the player sitting down in training camp or whatever. But but like at the end of the day, like you do have to earn your money, and that means playing. That means like playing the games when you can. Who's who's arguing um, against that? Who's on the other side of that argument? Oh man, who is the? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, like Pippin, right? Like I'm let's just... say, well, like let's say Pippin did deliberately, and nobody like Steve Pippen Kerr talked about that. Well, I know I'm not saying he did. I'm not saying he did. But he players didn't handle himself well. Hit, players but, definitely. But, but, but you're saying tra- like man, like Manny Ramirez. Um, Actually, no. Here's a great Manny example. Ramirez no, went went example. against the Yankees and looked at three straight fastballs for strikes because he was unhappy about his like they pinch hit him. And he was unhappy with his contract negotiations. That's you guys Manny remember that? Being Manny. That's Manny being Manny. You, that's like that, that's that, what that I don't like. That, I Anthony David. Anthony Davis forcing his way out of New Orleans last year was kind of pathetic. See, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like that. I and I don't like Jimmy Butler forcing his way out of Minnesota. But like I'm saying, for a player to to kind of force use the leverage he has to get ownership to tear up the contract and give him. Um, more years, more money. I think I, th- I think you do. I think you do whatever it is that you need to do, whatever it is that you want to do, as long as it doesn't involve you not playing when you can. And I think that's in, in Anthony Davis's case. I think that's what he did. Why? Why do you hate Kawhi Leonard? Uh, because he's too good, mostly. You could argue Kawhi did that in in San Antonio. That he you just, absolutely could. And if yeah. and if that is and if that's what he did, it sucks. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I don't like that. You don't want to root for management, right? But management is also. But but you're not rooting for management. You're rooting for laundry. I Wait, don't like that. Like the, I root for my team. Like so. I, like well, rooting yeah, for my team I, means. But like I, that's like I, mean. I want my player to get paid, and I want him to play for my team. Like not for him yeah, to sit out. Absolutely, yeah. I want my player to get paid. I yeah. want him to get paid. I want him to play for my team. I want him to be good, all that stuff. But if we come down to a situation where our player is forcing their way out of my team, then fuck right. that guy. Yeah. Fuck yeah. him. And well, that, turns into, that turns into a situation where it looks like you're rooting for management, but you're sure. not. Management sure. just happens to be on the same side of that divide as you. What you're rooting for is the, right. is the jersey, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Jimmy Did Butler I- can go play in traffic. Did any of you see the photo of Cliff Kingsbury uh, during the draft? No, I heard a comment about is he it. The guy it was like GQ. Is he, the poop, is he the poop guy? No, 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 no. No, Cliff Kingsbury is like the <laughs> Ryan Gosling lookalike. Yeah, he's no. gorgeous. And in the best years of his life, he is actually dating Holly Saunders. Uh, but anyway, but so... He's not also the poop guy. The, well, but did you guys see the poop guy? Yeah. No. Uh, we'll get to that. They took a photo of Cliff Kingsbury in uh, what I assume is his like living room or whatever, and he's sitting there, and it's all like it's very fancy. It's also very sterile, and someone uh, posted it on Twitter with the caption, "What would you say this guy does for a living?" And everyone, there were two answer options. One is, well, he either deals cocaine 
or he, he's in a house that they usually like rent out for pornos. Is this the guy with the weird like rectangular fire pit in the yes, giant backyard? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I saw yeah. the picture. Yeah. <laughs> What's the poop guy? So uh, during the <laughs> Haberman, I'm gonna let you do it if you want. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna step on your bit. I have no idea what you're talking about. We've seen with all this um, quarantining uh, and people like we've seen a lot of videos at home. Like there was that newscaster who did like a live video, like a selfie video in her bathroom in the background (laughs) is like her significant other naked. So it was that where like it was the it was during the NFL draft. I'm trying to think of which team it was. But but um, you're looking at the head coach and in the background you could see was it in, in a mirror? You see someone sitting on the toilet pooping. Yeah. So I, I mean, this. this this home footage is giving us all kinds of good. Content. I hope they win the Super Bowl. I don't care who it is. Send that guy to the next in-person NFL draft as the good luck charm if they do, right? Do we have anything else for this episode, boys? Uh, we're going to talk about basketball. Oh yeah, okay. we should yeah. we should do that. We should definitely I, do that. I totally trust Thomas, who has no interest in basketball, to to. Correctly Fairly, like cut this together. Edit this, yeah. uh, <laughs> did we get any euphemism suggestions? Uh, we didn't ask for any, did we? Yes, we did. I, I think we did. I said, oh. send more. I like doing this. Oh, we haven't received any. You, uh, well, Jason I sent us. Jason sent this one from Kevin Peterson. We have uh, we have an email from Jim Swift with a bulwark newsletter. Let's comb that for euphemisms. Bulwark. That's a real bulwark newsletter, if you know what I'm talking about. All right, I've got it. I found it. Is move furniture? Does that mean have sex with a large woman? <laughs> So, uh, so last night I went, uh, I went out clubbing and I, I brought this one woman home with me. Yada, yada, yada. I ended up moving some furniture. <laughs> are, you, are you familiar with, with the Admiral? David Robinson? Uh, Thomas, the oh. Admiral is a, the admiral is a uh, sex position uh, <laughs> that Go involves, involves um, a newly waxed floor such that... Uh, with the person down on their hands and knees, such that uh, the motion man- moves the person across the floor because it is waxed. And uh, you have to maneuver them around successfully around all the furniture. And if you can do so, then you can call yourself the Admiral. <laughs> and with that, I-, I believe we are done for this week's episode. <laughs> uh, from Apollo 13, good night and good luck. My sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes.